0: Guys, we are fired up to be at the 13th Annual Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Festival happening on March 2nd to the 5th at the OC Fair and Event Center in Costa Mesa. Tackle, fishing reports, fishing boats, amazing seminars. Everything's going to be at this show. Make sure not to miss this one. Plus, we're going to have a booth for the Talk podcast, recording live podcasts throughout the day, so make sure you stop by. Not to mention... We are giving away a show package at CCA. $60 gets you entry to the show, a tote bag, one year membership to CCA, and loaded whip with goodies from our sponsors. Be sure to check us out. Check out that show package at ccacalifornia.org. Register today for it or stop by the CCA booth outside the show whenever you go to the show and take advantage. We'll see you guys there. Welcome back to the CCA California podcast. Good to be with you another week. My name is Chris alongside Darren Krail. Darren, what's good, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad to be home from work, from the day job. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a a nice feeling? Just kind of getting home, putting the car in park after a long day, probably sitting in traffic too. No, a little bit. I was doing that all day today. So that's nice to be here in the (laughs) studio. But anywho, I am super stoked for this episode. We have Mr. Bill Depriest from Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Magazine and the PCS Festival. Bill, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you?
1: Good. How are you guys doing?
0: Not too bad, man. Not too bad. I know for one for, for starters, and obviously we'll we'll state the obvious. Your show coming up, I am super excited for, man.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. We're um we're definitely seeing the uh, the wave of the industry supporting us and, and uh, you know, the angling community really, uh, you know, reaching out and excited for what we're doing. So that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, let's get started here. Before we get started, we're going to talk a whole bunch of PCS show and the magazine a little bit later on. But let's go into your background, man. Tell us uh, what uh, would the I guess the build a priest story. How would you uh, get uh, get to where you are now?
1: You know, I've been fishing with my dad since I was three or four years old. Um, you know, he, uh, he took me on the weekends. We fished out of Newport and Long Beach uh, on half day, three quarter day boats. Ever since I was young, you know, Sunday we'd hit church in the morning <coughs> and then uh, rush down the freeway and grab the, uh, the afternoon half day. Um, kind of grew up doing that. And uh, in college, I was uh, working for a, a company selling parts for jet skis and batteries and stuff. And, um, right before I graduated, I, I really thought I was going to stay with that company and the offer wasn't great. And I saw an ad for a sales position at, at Pacifico sport fishing, um, and drew Lawler, the previous owner, he had just bought the magazine and didn't really have a crew together yet. And, uh, I asked him to, to come by and talk to him. Um, and he had said he had already hired someone, but I said, look, man, let me come by and show you my photo album and you know, what I've done and what I've done on my, my private boat. And, uh, he ended up hiring me and, uh, wow. I took over the regional sales was my initial position that I took. And, uh, I think it was within gosh, about a year, I think I was doing the publishing stuff. And then within a year and a half, two years, I had taken over as the publisher of the magazine.
0: Wow. Wow. So that was a pretty, uh, pretty quick transition there. uh, Yeah, it was,
1: uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, back then, you know, the ad sales were easy and the markets were hot and that was 2002, 2003. Um, And everything was just, it just felt right. You know, it's, it's a magazine I've read since I was a little kid. I actually showed him a picture of me laying in the hospital, dying of pneumonia when I was 11. And I had a, a uh, issue of Pacific Coast sport fishing back then it was South Coast. Um, But uh, yeah, I had an issue of it sitting there when I was in the hospital. So yeah, that was, um, it, I, you know, my dream job for sure.
0: Did, did you ever envision yourself or did you ever want to become like a writer or publisher or whatnot or, or get into media in general?
1: You know, in school, I absolutely despised writing. It was <laughs> uh, something that that I absolutely despised. But, you know, it kind of goes with reading too. What I've learned and learned with my kids is instead of stuffing writing assignments about stuff that they don't care about or making them read about you know stuff that they they could care less. Find a material that that makes sense to them, and all of a sudden, I was interested in reading books and I was interested in writing because it was about stuff that I cared
0: about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with uh, I'm guessing you probably like all of us, where you took fishing and the, just the in general outdoors. Um, you, you took that love early in life and all that stuff, and you just totally applied that, like we all did, to you know just basics of reading and writing.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly. And you write enough and it just becomes, becomes, you know, something that you're used to doing. So
0: do you do a lot of writing, uh, for the magazine, even as the, uh, the owner slash publisher slash all the above?
1: Yeah. The, the, a fair amount, you know, I write a feature here and there. Um, I write my column every month and then, um, I've been writing these, these, uh, vendor profile deals we've been doing on social media a couple times a day. So I've been getting plenty of writing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice nice i i will say so we you know I, as we approach the show season and all that we're actually into it right now we always take you're super generous with all of your issues and all that you always donate a whole bunch of issues to cca and we're super super grateful for that they are flying almost just flying off the shelves or flying off of our table every show that we go to it's super popular man that's
1: good I'd like to hear that
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, just with, because I always, it seems to me like I'm always seeing all of the, it's almost like a local Southern California flavor where I'm seeing, um, you know, you you, you you name it, Benny Florentino on one issue. And then I've seen Bob Hoos on another issue and all that stuff, guys that we kind of all know in the industry and have their, it's almost like one of those things where getting on the cover of PCS is almost a goal of, of all of ours, to be honest.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll tell you, in all the years that that I've worked there, which is, I don't know, 22, 21 years, whatever it is, uh, even before (laughs) I owned it, um, that's one of the things. I put so many of my buddies on the cover, and I always laughed at what, and also some of my clients that come on my charter boat or whatever, but how much it meant to people. You know, it's pretty cool, special. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. When it comes to like the issues of the magazine and all that, in in the content wise at least, it's it's a pretty good mix of everything. From you know, obviously, I've seen from sword fishing to bass fishing to all of the above and all that stuff. You do a pretty good mix of, of everything, covering issue after issue.
1: Yeah, our goal is definitely to you know reach out to all fishermen, you know, from private boats to sport boat and from surf fishing to giant swordfish and. You know, when I was younger, I did a lot of traveling and wrote stories. You know, I went and fished the Great Barrier Reef in two thousand six. I've done, you know, Panama so many times, and Prince Edward Mm -hmm. Island, Nova Scotia, and you know, North Carolina, and Hawaii. And we just—I really was interested in seeing other fisheries um, and learning from the guys that are the best at those fisheries. Um, Which is, you know, that's how we brought some techniques back here. You know, like the the ballyhoo thing for marlin you know, was not popular when we were doing it. I don't think anyone was running Ballyhoo. And Mm -hmm. uh, quick story, we fished uh, commercial bluefin in North Carolina one year. And these guys are trolling these Ballyhoo and they just swam like champs, you know. And uh, I asked the captain, I said, man, where are you guys catching these? You know, they live inshore, offshore. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, Ballyhoo don't live here. And a light (laughs) switch clicked in my brain. And it was like, dude, is all this is, is a silver bait fish. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter where you are in the world. It's a silver bait fish that swims really well and holds up to the conditions. So we kind of took our knowledge from them on swimming them. And then we took the knowledge of fishing dead baits from the Great Barrier Reef, kind of put two combinations together in the way we fish them and the way we um, react when we get a bite. And our percentages were just ridiculous. I mean, we weighed in two of the largest marlin, I think, uh, ever weighed in by a boat at the the Catalina Classic one year fishing ballyhoo. And guys started kind of looking at us like, what are these, you know, dumbos doing? <laughs> so, it was pretty oh, cool. Man. That kind of stuff's fun, you know, and I grew up, you know, going back to, to uh, Fort Lauderdale and helping one of my good, good friends. That's a commercial swordfish guy back there and learned that, that nighttime fishery for years. And then, uh, started learning that deep drop thing. It was back when JetBlue, uh, they were doing 99 bucks round trip to Fort Lauderdale, So dad and I would hop on a plane Friday night at 11 o'clock at night, land in Lauderdale, you know, five, six in the morning, whatever it was. And we'd swordfish and and help him for two days. And then I'd be back to work uh, Monday morning, 9am.
0: Oh my gosh. That that's dedication in itself, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing when this deep drop thing came out, you know, it's exciting and everything, but People have no clue how much time I put into understanding those fish and spending time back in Florida and picking the brains of people and just really understanding that fishery, you know. We had a guest on uh, the last episode that spent weeks trying to catch one out here. Mm -hmm. And he said that he goes, it's just a way you have to understand the fishery to catch them. Yeah. And they have to be there. That's the other thing is, you know, I've taught a lot of people on my charter boat, how to do it. And I think, you know, out of probably a dozen guys, probably 10 or 11 have caught their fish on their own boats. But again, if they're not there, you can't catch them. You know, you gotta be, gotta be where those fish are.
0: Yeah. That's actually a good point. Well, since we're on this topic of swordfish, I know you have made a huge name for yourself in the swordfish uh, fishery and all that stuff off of uh, off of Southern California and all that. Or I remember just you know, not even like last year, the last couple of years actually, where it's just sword, sorty after sorty after sorty. You've got this thing dialed in, man.
1: Well, the wild part is that you know, back when we were running back and forth to Lauderdale, we started this deep drop thing back then. You know, that was two thousand. I don't know when that was five two thousand four. Um, we, we put in like 25 days in one season and there was a major issue with giant squid and Mm -hmm. every bait, when it hit that zone, every bait was chewed up within 30 seconds. And it didn't matter what bank you were on, where you were. It was ridiculous. We finally hooked one and pulled the hooks about halfway up. And, uh, I had not caught a deep drop fish in Florida yet. I had just done nighttime And, uh, the fish barely pulled, didn't do anything, came to the surface and fell off. Mm -hmm. And we didn't believe it was a swordfish. Then I went back to Lauderdale and got my first deep drop fish was a a 300 pounder and the fish fought exactly the same. And I went, wow, you know, that was a swordfish. It was crazy. So we put in a lot of time, you know, if, if, if that squid comes back here, it's going to be a, it's going to be an extremely tough fishery. Um, Guys are going to have to do. We played around with a lot of ideas. If that happens, we'll we'll come out with some stories about it. But we were mm-hmm. stuffing uh, giant squid strips up in rubber shells of squids, and we we did a lot of things to try to avoid those squid. So mm-hmm. it was tough. Well,
0: so you you mentioned something where it's almost like it, you started or, or that whole method, the deep drop, started out on the east coast of Florida or in Florida rather, and you know twenty odd years ago almost. Do you see that happen on quite a bit where you have trends out east moving their way towards the west or vice versa and all that?
1: You know, it's interesting because, you know, you talk to guys on the east coast, they'll tell you that they invented kite fishing, but then you go back to the tuna club <laughs> and they were fishing kites in 1900. So right. it's, uh, <coughs> it's a tough thing, you know. I don't even know that the deep drop thing uh, wasn't being done here years ago. You know, you look back through the old – um frederick holder books from the tuna club and there's pictures of big eye threshers um Mm -hmm. there's species that don't live on the surface that are in some of these photographs that i'm still trying to figure out you know were they fishing at night were they fishing deep with with weights um i think the guys kept it pretty quiet but yeah i would say so i mean look at the ballyhoo thing you know when we started fishing them in the tournaments um i don't think any other boat had one even on their boat and uh i bet you now if you win a, a a a marlin day in socal i bet you more than half the boats are are either trolling ballyhoo or have them on board
0: hmm that's interesting super interesting well so let's i mean uh, so i've actually never truth be told i've actually never been sword fishing before i've heard you have to put in your time i heard it's a long it's almost it, it's as you know we had nate w- uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Nate from, uh, from Pacific coast bait and tackle on last week. And he was talking about sword fishing and all that, and it just putting in time and it's, it, it's, almost a lot of boring days in the water too. Well,
1: it's like a, to me, I, I kind of push the, the slot machine fact, right? So okay. you can't, we do mark a few, like I have pictures on my phone of fish that I marked right before we caught them. But commonly, mm-hmm. you're just getting in a zone where things look good, conditions look good, there's feed there for them. Um, and then you're just pulling the slot machine. I have customers that came on my boat and within 30 minutes caught a swordfish. And I've had guys that have been on my boat four times and haven't caught a swordfish. Wow. So, you know, I, I it's it's so random. And we had a lot of days in 2019 where we'd hook two or three in a day. You know, that that first day with my dad, you know, we had three to the boat by one o'clock in the afternoon and the wind came up or we would have caught more. I mean, it was, it was every drop we had one, but wow. again, it's, it's uh, it's a slot machine. You know, you go out the next day and nobody catches one.
0: Kind of like you know? right place, the right time.
1: Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Again, it's some guys are super lucky. They get on the boat and it's an easy deal. I mean, as all I know is that we can put them in the right spot with the right you know, the right baits, the right setup and, uh, give it our all, you know, but there's, there's days when it's awesome and there's days when it's a lot of cool conversation and, and, uh, getting to know people, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, but like I try that. to
1: when, when people walk off the boat, my goal is if you did not catch a swordfish, which I'm not doing charters anymore, but if you did not catch a, a swordfish, I wanted you to be able to walk off the boat and be able to do it on your boat you know and feel okay. confident that you knew everything that I was doing all the intricacies and there wasn't any secret stuff going on they walked off with all the knowledge they needed
0: I was just about to say a lot of uh, you know not a lot but I've I've known guys that are kind of that way where they don't want to spill anything and and for you you know being you know one of the best at it willing to basically walk through everything that that's pretty cool
1: Well I think what you know you hear people say there'll be a guy that'll go out, he'll drop a couple times and he'll catch one and he'll go, oh yeah, it's just like catfishing, right? So <laughs> that's cool and all. But if I showed you my machine and the way my bites wrapped around little different shadings on my chart. And I mean, I had customers on the boat in 2019 that I literally could say, watch this. And I'd wind the rod, drop it down and we'd hook a fish. And it was wow. just their very specific. Um, you know, I, I'm big on, documenting everything. So every one of my bites, every one of my fish I caught, it's all been marked. It all says what time I know exactly what we were doing, um, at the time. So when you start seeing a pattern, you know, if I showed you a picture in my chart plotter, you look at the pattern and it's so ridiculous. It's very obvious. There's something there.
0: One hmm. one last thing for me for sword fishing, is it pretty hectic once you hook into one?
1: So the, the most hectic part is clearing the other rod. So if mm-hmm. I'm with clients that don't mind an electric reel, um, I'll fish my buoy rod with an electric reel because we hook eight out of 10 fish on the tip rod. So I can hit a button that reels clearing while I'm setting out flying gaffs. I'm, I'm extremely superstitious. So I don't lay out any flying gaffs, any tail ropes. Nothing's allowed to be out and ready.
0: <laughs> superstitious, not a little stitious.
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm ridiculous. And if we miss a fish, we lose one, all of the gear gets put down below in the cabin again and we start from scratch. I,
0: I understand that. Um I'm I'm, I'm a little suspicious myself, but I, I totally get that. <laughs> well, let's move on to the show, man. I know I've been just basically just looking forward to this episode, talking about the show. We've got a huge one coming up. PCS Festival. We're always there. Um, I know it we took a hiatus. Um, the show did for COVID and all that, just like anything else. But, uh, I think last year was the first year back and it was amazing. And I can't wait for this year, man.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, our, our show, we launched it almost 14 years ago. Um, and our goal always was to produce a super pure fishing show, right? Not a bunch of stuff that doesn't belong there, but stuff that is straight, pure fishing. So, we kept it smaller. We kept it straight saltwater, And we had seminars that, you know, we had guys speaking that didn't speak, you know, at all, you know, commercial guys that kept quiet that would come out and speak at our show. And, you know, for the last, I guess, uh, you know, 11 shows, we were in one building and, but it was one building of the purest real sport fishing stuff. So the hardcore guys have always been there and they're like, this show's rad. The people that are used to a big giant show with a bunch of stuff, you know, a lot of times they'd say, ah, it's kind of a small show. Um, Last year we had a a big wave of, of industry support and uh, we were able to bump up to, to three halls and uh, add in some new stuff and some new brands. And um, attendance was ridiculous and it was, it was super hot and people were everywhere and everyone's having fun. And, you know, it it went really well. Um, And this year, we just decided, you know, we wanted to bring in the sport boats. We wanted to bring in freshwater fishing, um, you know, and other outdoors. So we went ahead and, and, uh, launched our new dates of, of the first week in March that, that got us off of that holiday weekend, got us away from the Fort Lauderdale boat show. And, um, we rented out the entire fairgrounds and, uh, you know, me and me and Mike Bond, we, uh, made a plan that we were going to sell out the entire fairgrounds. And, uh, we have filled all seven seven halls of the fairgrounds. So it's going to be gigantic. Seven halls. I think it's two hundred and seventeen thousand square feet or about five acres of pure, fresh and saltwater tackle, boats, um, travel destinations. It's it's the real deal.
0: Yeah, I'm on the website right now and I was looking at two and you can see you've got all seven buildings and plus three seventy-five by fifty outdoor. Tents out there?
1: Yeah, those are those are giant bulk spots. Um, we're potentially even needing to add some other tents to be able to bring in more vendors that are on our wait list right now. Um, right. I so, mean, the the show has more than doubled. More? Yeah, than doubled. it's 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 uh, yeah. I think it's even more than tripled. <laughs> more, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's awesome because I I have been going to this show for a long time and. To see it grow to this size is awesome. Congratulations on that. I Thank you that's very much. Yeah, our, our goal our goal has been to produce a super pure with all the best vendors, but that's kind of why it took a while to grow. You know what I mean? We could have added buildings in the past, but there'd have been a lot of filler booths, and mm-hmm. we just don't do that. You know, our, mm-hmm. our goal is for somebody to walk in, and every booth they walk up to is like, wow, that's something I'd be interested in. Um, so now the show has turned into it's going to take you more than one day to get through that show, I can tell you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, like Darren, I'm looking at the uh, the map right there. That's just a lot of space, and it's completely <laughs> filled to the brim. I, I can't – not to mention, we, even, we didn't even mention, you added an extra day too, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, we added that Thursday, and then – so we've always kind of believed that – People don't want to be at a show. I know our vendors don't tell nine o'clock at night or anything. So we've kept our hours very, um, you know, vendor friendly. So this year we added until <laughs> <'till> seven <laughs> o'clock. Um, that way the guys can come after work still, you know what I mean? We're given that opportunity, um, and being open Thursday, uh, as well. So we got that fourth day extended the hours by, um, you know, a couple hours there to, to help those guys coming after work. We want everyone to have the opportunity to, to join us there. So.
0: Yeah, this is going to be epic, man. I mean, I know when it comes to the show, I've always enjoyed the PCS show because it was, you're exactly right. Where it was just pure fishing and everything that I would ever be interested in, not to mention the location, orange County. I mean, that's right in the middle of Southern California.
1: Yeah, the Orange County, the Orange County location is so cool. The fairgrounds is so easy to get to. You go right down the fifty-five freeway, get off at Fair, make your first ride into the the first parking lot this year, and you're there. You know, it's as simple as it gets. Um, I think, uh, and again, it's it's an easy drive from Inland Empire, easy drive from L.A., easy drive from San Diego. It just kind of gives everybody the opportunity to see. You know all of these brands, all of these lodges, all of these boats. uh, You know, in one place at one time, which uh, I think people really, really are are looking for. Earlier, you brought up, (coughs) excuse me, how uh, you like to see the different fisheries from different areas, and that's one thing that I'm going to look forward to here at this show is checking out the different lodges and different places we can go fish because that's what I've become to is checking out different fisheries. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, that's definitely, um, different fisheries is how we learn to, to catch better, you know, in our, our bite as well as, uh, you know, going places to, to get that fish that you've always dreamed to catch. And, you know, you don't sit in, you know, SoCal and try to catch your first tarpon, right? I mean, if you exactly. want to catch tarpon, you got to go to where tarpon live, you know, which is You're why, going to Florida. <laughs> yeah, a lot of us originally migrated to Florida to get our first swordfish was, that was where the mecca of swordfish is, yeah. You know, so you want to catch one? It's like a. I always tell people you want to catch your first striped marlin. <clears throat> I could probably get you one in SoCal, but you can also go to the Finger Bank in December and catch a hundred of them in a day.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you know, you you want to you want to travel to where it's at if you need to.
0: Yeah, and and not to mention, kind of on on the same lines where you have the different vendors from all over the place too. And, you know, not only the East coast, but up from Alaska as well. And, you know, obviously Baja and Cedros. And I mean, you've got good representation from almost the entire world at your show at our fingertips as the uh, Southern California anglers.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've got Tropic Star from Panama. We've got Crocodile Bay from, uh, from Costa Rica, you know, and guys all the way up into the Yukon this year. So that's really cool. And then um, the focus next year is also to bring up, uh, there's some guys that I steelhead fish with um, on some rivers up here in Idaho that it's probably some of the best steelheading I've ever seen in the country. The fish are huge. Um, I'm going to get those guys down there too to start, uh, you know, showing these guys in SoCal some of the better, better steelhead fishing. We definitely, we've, we've got expansion ideas. We're just, uh, we're, we're running out of room, you know, so we're mm-hmm. figuring out what to do.
0: I got to ask. So in the name of research, are you as a show producer, owner, magazine, owner, writer, and all that stuff, do you have an obligation to actually go visit all these places to go test out the uh, the different fisheries too?
1: Oh, a hundred percent, as well as uh, <laughs> I need to hunt in all of the destination as well.
0: That's fair. That's fair. You know, I will
1: tell you, you, know, I personally and my family, we just love the outdoors so much, you know, we do everything from small bird hunting all the way up to big game. And we fish from fly fishing for trout in the streams all the way up to the, the biggest swordfish and bluefin, you know, it's just, <laughs> when you love the outdoors and it's the life that you live and it's the life that you've chosen to feed your family with um, there's a different passion there. I think than, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's in our blood.
0: Yeah. And that passion is just, Pure. I mean, it's coming out in this whole show too, because you've extended, you know, a- almost extended the whole. Um, gosh, the word would be, I guess, bandwidth of the show, where it it used to be just one building, and you've pro- you've progressively built it into what it is now: seven buildings. I mean, in yeah. the
1: in the variety now, you know, bringing in the bass fishermen and bringing in the swim baits and the different bass brands, and having guys like Butch Brown come out to speak, who's like the you know, the big bass king and, and bringing out, you know, Bishop tourism and high Sierra's guides. And, you know, we're, we're bringing in all the, from the trout stuff all the way up to the, the biggest big game, you know, it's, it's available for everyone. And same way with the sport boats, you know, the, the support of the sport boats has been absolutely um, humbling this year. You know, we have, I think we have just about every landing from, you know, H&M being the farthest south, you know, up past Santa Barbara, you know, Santa Barbara landing. So we just, um, you know, everything from half day trips to most of the long range boats are joining us, you know, the Red Rooster, the Independence, the Intrepid, uh, the Searcher, you know, these guys are all going to be with us in one place, um, you know, for you guys to come out and ask questions and book trips. And, and to be honest with you, you know, just furthering the knowledge of fishing and having the the kids trout pond for the kids and just, you know, the importance of continuing to bring new blood into this. You know, I have, I have three sons, they're older now, they're 15, 13 and nine. But, uh, you know, my kids grew up in this industry. They grew up catching fish with me and learning and fly fishing and going to Alaska on trips with me. And, you know, when you instill that into a kid, you know, th- it never gets out of them.
0: Yeah. And, you know, going to a show like yours to get exposure to that, just a little taste of what is out there for a kid or even for, you know, someone that's just getting into fishing too. It just completely opens your eyes and opens their just minds to, oh, I need to go do that. Or I want to go do that. Or even just, you know, just even the old salty angler, just adding stuff to his, to his bucket list. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I think with the the new thirty thirty thing coming, and and uh, you know with CCA putting up the the fight and and representing anglers, you know that's why it's really important to us to have you know CCA right in the front of the the show and having that opportunity to get the uh, the package that comes with the ticket when you join CCA. Um, that that really was special for us last year when you know I don't there was no other shows in Southern California and we were able to get that out and still get the word out with CCA and still raise money and, and add memberships. And, you know, we were very proud that, that we were still able to make it happen, you know?
0: Oh yeah. And even a year coming off of COVID and all that stuff, the, um, the response from all of our members and even new members from that show was just absolutely ridiculous. Obviously we couldn't do it without you, Bill. So thank you. And um, we're bringing it back this year. Um, like, uh, like what we, uh, we talked about for 60 bucks, you get entry into the show, you get your membership, um, and then you get some swag and some goodies and all that stuff. So obviously everyone goes shopping at the show. So we also do have a tote bag that, uh, it's very sexy. It's a red color this year, like always, but, um, but yeah, we're super stoked and, uh, we're going to be right out front too. right, uh, right before the ticket booths, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You guys are going to be right there. So we'll, we'll get people rounded up. And, um, you know, I was thinking while we're sitting here, I'm thinking, why don't we add a, a one year subscription to the magazine, to that package that's worth, you know, almost $30 as well. That's awesome.
0: Hey, let's do it, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I think that would, uh, that would be good. The other thing that we're, we're super excited about, um, as the show has grown here, we feel that we have some, you know, responsibility to give back to the community, yeah. So, um, there's a, there's a, uh, charity that's close to my heart, which is called war heroes on water. Um, Anthony Shea put this together. He does a big tournament with these yachts, um, to get these, uh, wounded vets out. And, um, it's a, it's an amazing experience. I've, I've donated my time and volunteered on these yachts and met right some of you. these guys. Yeah. That I'm still friends with to this day. Um, so we're doing a, um, a fundraiser, uh, kind of a mixer with our vendors on Friday night to raise money, silent auction. Um, and the silent auction is going to be open to the public. So as soon as we get everything up, we'll, we'll release that link. So you guys can bid on stuff. Um, and we're just going to make it a fun evening for our vendors to celebrate uh, the success of the show and, uh, raise money for these, these extremely special heroes that, that need to be taken care of. That's
0: going to be epic. That's going to be an epic night. And I, you know, and it's going to be right inside or in the courtyard or something. And you know, that, that's going to be a fun night, man. And it, you know, it couldn't go to a better cause too. I know um, a good friend of all of ours, Robbie Gant, I know he donates his time and, and, um, and uh, his skill set in every year in that tournament. I think you do too as well, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, when I've, when I can put the dates together um, mm-hmm. last year, the dates were released a little bit later and I already had charters, but Yep. I'll be back on boats again this year.
0: I've heard it's, ep- it's been like just an epic experience just to be there and to help these guys out.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, the, the life-changing experience of, of experiencing, you know, sitting on anchor with these guys and listening to them talk. And, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't get out to the public and, uh, these guys come back and and they're dealing with some serious stuff. And, you know, to be real honest, it doesn't look like the government takes care of them like they should. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the public needs to, needs to support these kind of things because we have our freedom because of these guys, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. absolutely. It's the least we can do. Yep. Absolutely. Well, awesome guys. We will continue this conversation on the doc talk podcast. Make sure to go follow that and subscribe to that podcast for part two of this interview. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Hi, I'm Pat McDonald here to tell you that the Hall Shows are back. Bart Hall Shows, February 16th through the 19th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds and March 29th through April 2nd at the Long Beach Convention Center. Share the passion of outdoor recreation as we celebrate 75 years of Hall Shows family fun.